Welcome to Ask Alex episode 217 on the OneOuter.com podcast. We are back. Uh, regular listeners will be wondering where we've been. Um, we are back. We spoke about it before. We're going to do this sort of sporadically, ad hoc, as usual. You know, why change the formula of a lifetime? But um, myself and Alex have been chatting recently, and we said it's about time we put out another podcast to see um, how many people still listen uh, to the show. So we got together, we picked today, and yeah, here we go. Alex, it's great to be talking with you again and putting one of these out for the absolute diehard um, play- uh, players, listeners that are left. It will be interesting to see um, how many people like get in touch for more questions and stuff and when this pops up on people's new iTunes uh, subscriptions. I know it's happened to me before. I've subscribed to these random podcasts. And when I go into the podcast thing on my iPhone, it's like, oh, there's a new episode. I totally forgot I was even subscribed to that. So we hope that these people get a nice little surprise when there's a new one out of podcast pop up. But um, how have you been doing and how are things? Speaking of diehards, let's talk about movies for 45 <laughs> minutes and lose what I, listeners I, we do I, have. I don't watch movies anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, you know, I'm good, man. It's good to be talking with you. I'm uh, I'm in sunny Denver. It snowed two days ago in May, and I just moved everything up here, and I'm loving it. I got a standing desk now. They've really come down in price, these adjustable desks, and it's just incredible on my back. I never use this thing as a sitting desk. It's amazing. I've been enjoying it. I've got Oh, one. I'm sorry. You got one? Yeah, yeah. Mine's is electronic. It's yours. Oh, uh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Oh, that's okay. Yeah, I was trying to one-up you there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sitting here with a hand crank and smoke signals. I'll get this thing up. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, no, man, doing good, doing good. Won, a, won the how to, what was it? I won the uh, 250000 guaranteed. Yeah, we're going to get to that. We're, we're going yeah. to, no, get but that. when I win something, I got to tell everyone. Like, literally, the pizza guy gives me the pizza. I'm like, did you know I just won the 250 k guaranteed? He's like, that's great, pal. Here's your pizza. Yeah, anyway, sorry. Continue. Well, well first of all, standing desks. I mean, that's important because people – uh, a lot of people listening at this are fellow slobs. So, um, you know, it's like, <laughs> um, no, all joking aside, they are real. Like, I'd looked at them and thought, you know, what's the point of that? And then you get to a certain age or certain amount of years spent sitting slouched and hunched over makeshift desks and desks that you think are good, but you've not set them up great, you know, ergonomically wise with your chair height and all that. And eventually one day you do your back quite bad and then you start doing it more and more regularly and you start living with essentially chronic back niggles and pain and yes, I said I'm going to get this and such a difference um I, I I've never sat at it Alex I've n- I don't even have a chair in that room um nice it's a standing desk and I've only recently considered getting a chair to sit at it because Currently, when I'm working in terms of typing and things like that on the on the computer, I'm sitting in a lazy boy with my feet up and you know my legs crossed and sitting like that, and it's not a great sitting position to do sort of work. But when I'm doing other tasks and things, I'm on the I'm use the standing desk, and what a difference! You know, you can adjust it to any height. I just mm-hmm. leave it at that height, etc. Depending on what you're doing, you know, I take a lot of photographs and stuff of things as well, so. I'll adjust it for height that way and I'm not stooping over a, you know, on a flat surface. Now I can take it sort of head on, which is much better for your back and things. But I do, I want to get a chair so that I can, when I'm doing like computer, computer work, it's going to be, you know, I'm sat at the computer for, you know, a few hours. I know I'm going to be doing a long haul and maybe like alternate between sitting and, you know, standing and things like that. Um, but you know, I would recommend them. I don't know what playing poker would be. Do you uh, do you play poker then standing up now when you're using it? Or oh, I love it when I play poker. It keeps me energetic. I used to stand up and walk around during deep runs all the time. Anyway, now I just can get back to my seat very quickly. I mean, not my seat, my desk very quickly. It's nice. I I do agree with you that when you're writing, you 
need to be sitting sometimes just because it can be a little awkward typing standing up for long periods of time. But I just love standing. Also, what was there's a book, it's called Stand Up or Get Up or something like that. There's this researcher who thought sitting was ruining the world because if you think about it, we've only been sitting for work the past 200 years. So evolutionarily, we're not prepared for that. We've made huge evolutionary trade-offs with our body to stand up and walk around. And this gentleman, I think you can find that book on Audible Plus. If you have one of those Audible memberships that I think is a little souped up, you get access to, they essentially have a Netflix of audiobooks now. They have a number of titles you can pick up. And I believe that book is in that collection if you want to look for it. But essentially what this guy did is he looked at the average American diet and then he found a bunch of people that didn't go to the gym because I think 85% of Americans don't go to the gym. And he told them, go about your day to day. And the average American diet is like 200 calories more than you need. And the people that had jobs like moving or they were teachers or they were chefs or whatever it was, when they were on their feet, they never gained weight because they were burning so many calories. And the poor people that were sitting down all day were putting on 20 pounds within a few months, right? Once they got them adding a couple hundred calories. So it adds up. And also, let me tell you guys, if you can afford the standing desk, it is an investment because about three years ago, I, I, to come up in poker, I was sitting eight, 10, 12 hours a day, six days a week for a very long time. And I messed up my back really badly. And I read Nassim Nicholas Taleb messed up his back. It wouldn't be one of our episodes without his reference, but uh, he uh, he messed up his back and he said weightlifting was the only thing that fixed it. And I actually fixed mine too, learning essentially strengthening the back muscles, getting your posture correct. But I had to spend a lot of money to learn how to do it correctly. A buddy of mine helped me with it, but obviously his time's worth something. So I got to pay him something when I go to the gyms and there's all these different exercises to get your back muscles strengthened. It was worth every cent. I feel incredible now. I have amazing energy. I made back all the money and more at work. I'm a much better poker player, but it's not like you can write off that money unless you're a professional athlete. You have to spend and you can either spend money on that down the line or on physical therapy or whatever it is, or you can just stand and be energetic. And yeah, it's been a, it's been a big shift. It's been a real help. It's, it's true. It's like even myself, I remember, you know, injuring my back and sometimes it just starts niggling and you start holding yourself completely different. And it's that, awful. that brings its own problems with other areas in your legs and hips and things like that. And it gets to the stage where you're sitting and it's almost like chronic pain, you know, every day. I said the other day, I was like, sometimes I think, you know, like weeks go by and I'm, I've been in pain, you know, every day with it, you know, like to some level, you know, I'm not mm-hmm. saying it's in pain, but just this background pain. And um, when you go for a walk, it's like it completely goes away and you feel much better, which is counterintuitive. You think when you're aching, the last thing you want to do is go for a walk. And it's like you go for a walk and you feel better and it makes you move more because actually it's the sitting down that's painful it's weird yes yes no it it drains you it's like having six open tabs on your computer that kind of pain it's just going to drain you throughout the day or if you've ever played uh soccer football with your friends and you've had a little bit of pain after about 10 15 minutes it's multiplied so much in your mind that you can't even continue and that's a lot of how it feels for many people, many working people after they get to their 40s or 50s. So if you're listening to the sound of my voice and you're a poker player or a professional poker player, I'd really recommend you do better than me and not ruin your back like I did because wow, does that drain you mentally. My game before and after getting my back fixed, they're not even comparable. They're so much better because it's so much easier. One critical mistake takes you out of a poker tournament, it is so easy to make that critical mistake if you're distracted in perpetual compounding pain is the ultimate distraction. Yeah, especially that, like I'm talking background. It's not quite high enough that you can't function, but it's niggling. It's you're, 
it takes it out, like you say, it's it's depleting you. It's depleting your energy. And yes. Your reserves yes. and mentally even of like, oh my like my fucking back for want of better words. You know, you're just constantly saying that. And um I, I did buy one of these back stretchers, Alex, as well. I can't remember if I told you about them. I saw them popping up places and thought, you know, it's worth a try. And it's this, you know, it's one of these companies have came out with it. And then because it's a generic thing, there's been multiple, you know, Chinese versions and third party versions pop up on Amazon. They all do the same thing. It's like almost a half moon shape plastic, if you imagine, like a sort of hump. Um, and it's on the floor and you lie on that over it and what it does is you know the curvature of your spine you lie completely completely over it and that's supposed to help that stretch is supposed to help restore and uh, to do with like the fluids and all this stuff I don't know you know but I know I've been using it and I used it for you know every night religiously for about a month six weeks and my back was completely fixed for months good and that's then good I, to hear. And then you stop using it, and then a few months later, something, and you feel it again. It's like anything, use it or lose it. So the last few weeks, I've been using it again because, touch wood, I've not done it. I've not hurt my back or twisted my back um, or pulled it, whatever you want to call it, to the extent that where you are you struggle to get up out of bed to go you know, to the toilet, and then once you're up, it, you can move. But getting up and down is a nightmare with it. Um, I've started using it again the last few weeks and I'm going to stick, you know, really stick to using that this time because uh, it is, it's one of these things as you start to go, you do start thinking like you don't want to get, you know, to older age with stuff like that. I mean, everything just becomes a chore, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's like when you don't sleep well, you can do a lot of things well when you don't sleep well. Like when I used to do landscaping, yeah, I could be up all night and then sleep a few hours and then mowing lawns was not impossible. But if you're trying to do any kind of work at the computer and use any form of creativity, it's not going to happen when you don't sleep well. You'll, you can feel okay. Like you're moving fine, but you're not going to be able to come up with a creative solution to problems. And many times to win a no limit hold'em tournament, you're going to get a confounding hand. And on the spot, you're gonna to have to find a creative solution around that. And that's just not Kate. That's I'm not gonna say it's impossible, but it's much less likely to happen if you have back pain, if you're sleeping poorly, if your diet is off, any of those things. You can't you can't make yourself play your A game, but you can actively destroy your opportunities to play your A game pretty effectively by hurting your back, lethargy, not enough exercise, not enough sleep, poor diet, et cetera. All, you, there's sometimes you will do everything right and for whatever reason your A game doesn't come together that day. That's okay. That's That happens on occasion. But if you did something to distract yourself from your A game, from your best creative solution making abilities by affecting your sleep, diet, exercise, whatever it is, that's something that you have to look at. Yeah. And it's weird because I've thought this before and to take it back to poker, when I used to play poker, you know, there was days where you were like, right, you could sit there for 10, 12 hours, no problem. And other days you didn't even want to sit there. You didn't even want to start sometimes, but you did it anyway. And those days, you know, okay, you get lucky the odd day and you might hit a score that day. But inevitably, those days where you don't feel like it and you don't feel like loading up the computer are usually the days where you, you know, you do, nothing goes right. And it seems like it's all conspiring against you and every tournament's closing down and you're out this and that. And you're like, I knew I shouldn't have played. And when you think of it, sitting at a computer, just sitting at a computer and whether it's poker what are you actually doing physically there? You're only moving your hand, you know, to move a mouse or a touchpad, whatever you're using, or you're pressing a key. Like, your actual physical, like, how is that so taxing? And it must come down to the way that you're sitting and you're, the trauma on your body of the must, like the tension. You've got stress and tension in your muscles and mind of making the decisions, as you say, you know, instantly and multiple times because everybody's multi-tabling these days. And... Also, the just the act of sitting in a chair uncomfortable, that's where you feel, because look at it, you're not running marathons here. You're not, 
digging ditches. You're not doing loads of physical lifting boxes and stuff. But you could sit and play seven, eight hours and go, wow, I'm done in there physically and mentally. Or you can say, I can't even start today because what are you being asked to do? Literally move your hand within a, you know, a 20 centimetre radius. <laughs> That's it. You know, the whole thing. You're not being asked to move much. But yeah, it seems like it's hard work, if you know what I mean. And it must come back to you're carrying, you know, tension and stress in your body. It must be, you know. Oh, definitely. There was another book. Oh, God. I've read two books recently that are called Peak or Peak Performance or Peak Mindset. Literally, both books are called Peak. So let me try to remember which one is which. But I want to say they had one study where they had people walk through a forest before they took a standardized test and their scores went up. It's the walking, it's the fresh air. Something does something. They, you, you want to live your life based on facts, but sometimes you don't have the facts at hand. It, if you, but if you can see, we don't exactly know why it works, but it seems that the results lead to you winning. Yeah. Po- Poker is draining because it's like taking a standardized test for 10 or 12 hours. And if you can remember taking placement exams for any kind of university, it was very draining. If you could imagine if they gave you a break every 15 minutes to get something to drink and to walk in a circle, you'd probably perform better. And yet many people won't take that advantage for themselves, even with a standing desk. Well, well, you think about it as well. Even things like going for a walk, I've been doing that so consistently for about a year and a half now. Like, I, I won't go two days without, a, a, you know, an hour, 20-minute walk, like six kilometres or whatever. I, I, I can't remember what I do. And I, I just make sure I religiously do that, regardless of what I'm eating, whether I'm being good, whether I'm being bad, whatever. I, I, I walk from my back now. I don't, you know, do it for anything else. And it's like, even if you say, like, mental acuity, things like that, it's risk-reward, like all poker players should be thinking of. There's no downside to going for a walk. There is no downside. So even if the upside is you might lose a little bit of weight, your posture might improve. These are sort of known things that can happen with walking. You know, you can't outwalk a bad diet, you know, or whatever. But it's not. It's going to help. You're going to burn, you know, whatever calories. You know, it's going, oh, to, be, yeah. it's going to be something, and it, it compounds. And it, like, there's no, there's no downside to going for a walk. And like you say, who knows the unknown things in terms of a lot smarter people than me will know, you know, synapses in your brain firing off and regenerating like what sleep does, you know, like what walking does and outside fresh air and things like that mm-hmm. yet to be discovered. So, um, yeah, well, so we already got the name. We're going to cut what's the name of the show is going to be either uh, – <laughs> Get up, stand up, or put your back into it. One of, one of you, you, you named two episodes. Put your back into it, and I had to correct you on one and say we already had one name. That if you went for three for three, calling it "Put your back into it," that'd be hilarious. But uh, has there been no, one? Put your back into it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the uh, one final note, guys. If you're competing in poker, and we all take it pretty seriously, if you're listening to the sound of my voice. You take poker far more seriously than 99% of people because most people just show up and play because it's fun. We want to play. But if you're doing this for money, it's a competition. Every month, I get in the ring with my bills, and those bills got to get paid at the end of the month or not. And my family members don't care if my aces got cracked, right? It's still on me to win in the ring versus these bills and i will take any edge i can get anywhere if there is any kind of evidence for it i am going to use it and if it works i'm going to keep using it and exercise stretching out your back even just walking barry was saying walking yeah that's a that's a huge thing there was a another book I didn't finish this one, so I can't fully recommend it. It's very dense, but it's called Spark. And they were discussing how there was one school that was just trying to try anything to get test scores up. I want to say in the Chicago school district. And somebody had the idea that why don't we start the kids every day 
with personal trainers for an hour and they were really hardcore with it. They put heart rate monitors on them to make sure that they were pushing and not just coasting and all their test scores went up. They were doing fantastic. So if you combine that also with a rest routine, there's a terrific book named rest by Alex Sujin Kim Pong, I believe is the name of him. Forgive me if I mispronounce that, but it's a rest routine that you need to incorporate. He essentially looked at all the elite performers he could find. And what he found was missing in all of those books about elite performance is they all had rigorous resting routines. It's very much like a basketball player that takes time off at specific points in the game because they want to burst at the most important point of the game. You have to rest as much as possible and physical exercise seems to incre- increase academic performance and poker really is a big test with you feeding yourself all the questions and I'll take any edge I can get weightlifting to me is the biggest bang for the buck because you can do it in the fastest amount of time. I think if you deadlift squat bench press, I think if you just do those three, you hit something absurd, like 80% of muscle groups or something. And when you build muscle that increases your metabolism. And my psychiatrist was telling me the literature now on this is that weightlifting is one of the greatest things you can do for stress relief, for anxiety relief with no side effects, as long as you do it with correct form. But yeah, if you're just walking or doing any kind of cardio or doing soccer or anything like that's going to have a real benefit too. just getting out there and getting those natural endorphins going. That is a great performance booster. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, enough on the health and fitness. Let's talk money. Um, yes, sir. <laughs> when, when Alex, when Alex got in touch with me, um, I think it was a while ago now. It was a couple of months maybe. And he says, um, we joke, you know, like myself and Alex's sense of humor. Alex is a, so yeah, I just won the 250 guaranteed, or I can't remember what one it was, or the 200 guaranteed, 200K guaranteed, I should say. Um, 250, 250K <laughs> guaranteed on America's Card Room, I think it was. Uh, so I guess we should do another show. So I said, yeah, so even I haven't heard the full story yet. So Alex, why don't you take this moment to sort of... Uh, you know, gloat a little bit to people other than your family and the pizza man and uh, let, <laughs> let the listeners know what happened, what went down and, and, and let, us, let us in on that. You know what? I think a lot of you guys follow my email list and I did have uh, more or less a trip report that I posted that I think many of you guys already read about some things I did to win that tournament. And if you want to read my future emails from my mailing list, go to pokerheadrush.com and sign up because I am going to have another piece out, uh, another email discussing some of the things I used to win that tournament. But yeah, the long and the short of it, and let me think of some new things that I remembered from that tournament that you guys could use. Essentially, I was, I wasn't planning to even play that Sunday, but I've been making it a regular goal to try to play a couple times each week, at the very least play Sundays, because Sundays are the biggest bang for the buck as far as tournaments. Uh, I'm not going to say they're the least variance, but I really love my uh, using exploitative plays, exploiting other players. And on Sundays, boy, you get everybody in on those tournaments. So you can run a lot of fun plays. And something I've been trying to do is just really play solid these days, which is I noticed that a lot of the times you win tournaments just because you don't try to do any of the cowboy stuff you see on television, which makes for great entertainment. But the way you win tournaments is just really not giving anything away. When you look at your win rate is seven, eight big blinds per hundred hands. If you're really good on one of these sites that's uber competitive, if you raise twice in situations where it was really likely you were going to get three better shoved on, that's four big blinds minimum. It's gone. If you do one bad three bet, there's six big blinds. It's gone. 
you do one bad C-bet. That's three big blinds or whatever. It's gone. So I've really, really been focusing on don't give away turn calls that you cannot justify at all because that's when the bets get really, really big. Be very careful on the opens. Three bet from the cutoff and button primarily versus frequent openers. Be very, very careful from early position. Watch your cold calls quite a bit. If there's somebody behind you who's really likely to squeeze, really likely to shove on you and you can't call, again, that's another two, 2.5 big blinds. You're pissing away. When the big blind calls you, focus on value betting because that guy has 30, 40% of the hands, just a stupid number of hands, a stupid number of bad pairs. You think about somebody calling you on flop, turn, and river and giving you money, they're probably not doing it with a high card. They're probably doing it with a pair, a really bad pair. Who's going to have the most bad pairs? It's going to be the big blind flatter. Really trying to fight in tournaments off of this solid play as much as possible. And Carlos Welch was kind enough to give me some lessons on some uh, ways he's been exploiting really passive players. That was really good. And Another friend of mine uh, has been giving me GTO lessons, and that's been really fun because uh, something he loves to do is, okay, this is how they should be balancing here. If they're not doing that, they'll do this, right? And that's been really fun and really upping my game, working hard, having fun with it, at least trying to get into the Sunday tournaments, play some of those nice 8, 10, 12-hour sessions, enjoying it. The I wasn't even going to play that Sunday. I was moving from New York uh, to Colorado and my buddy and I, it was like one of the last nights we could go out before I left. So we went out to dinner. We had a great time. Uh, I, I had an espresso at dinner on Saturday night, which typically I won't do if I'm going to play on Sunday. And I think Canelo was fighting that night. And then the next day I woke up and I was doing some things for moving. I got done earlier than I expected because I was trying to work ahead a little bit each day just do like 30 minutes of stuff or packing. And then to my surprise, I thought I was going to need the whole day to pack, but I was actually done. So I decided in kind of a makeshift office, it's funny, we just talked about how important offices are for so long because this office was not terrific. And uh, at this makeshift office, I played the major and yeah, 13 hours later, I won $55,000 just really playing solid poker. And it felt great because... I'd had some final tables before in the preceding weeks. I had one day where I final table two tournaments on ignition. I almost won uh, the $33 tournament that has a ton of runners, the 50K guaranteed on ACR a few weeks before, but it was really nice to get that win. And uh, <laughs> you want to talk about a bad beat right after a big win. I got a root canal uh, a little while back. And during the tournament, I was like, wow, my tooth hurts. It's really kind of hard to focus with this. Took some ibuprofen, forgot about it. Go to the dentist like uh, a day or two later. And they're like, yeah, this uh, root canal didn't take. 98% chance it would take. This one didn't take. So uh, sorry about that tooth pain. Uh, it's like, oh, great. So I gave up a bunch of the money to the dentist. But yeah, thankfully, everything's fine. Yeah, again. <laughs> it was a different dentist, right? It was like, obviously, the guy who set the root canal that didn't set. I didn't go back to that clown. Yeah. But uh, that was uh, that was fun. But uh, yeah, uh you know, it was, uh, God, it was, uh, it was great, man. It's so good to get the win, to get a big, you know, when there's 3000 people who want it just as bad, you mm -hmm. know, hundreds of thousands in the prize pool, a lot of great players. There's a lot of great people who play those tournaments to come out with no deal, the entire win play heads up for 15 K heads up, even Sachs versus a guy who played fantastic and wanted it just as bad. God, it tastes so good, man. <laughs> it tastes so good. There's still something. Uh, and okay, that's a huge tournament. And, you know, 55,000 for first is great. But even playing a tournament where, you know, first is 2K, when you get the little yeah. first and you've got all the chips in front of you and you've won the tournament, there, there's still always something uh in terms of poker unbeatable about that you know oh hell so. yeah oh hell yeah i don't i i live for all those little victories just uh catching a guy in a bluff uh winning any kind of tournament there was that one year 
I think we were doing the podcast at that time. I busted the main event. I played one of those two 35 dailies or whatever it was in the Rio right afterward. And I ended up winning it. And people were saying, how did you take that seriously after busting a $10,000 main event? And I was confused. I just like winning. I I just want to win. I don't, there's something in me that likes winning. Just making good decisions and hope. Yeah, competing. No, you know what I love? This is something I didn't realize until recently. I love watching other grown men give up. I really love just peppering a guy with raises and bets and check raises and three bets and never really giving him too much to work off of and always having him at arm's length, not really knowing what to do. Even if he wins a pot, he only wins a small one. And just watching that guy freak out and give it away, oh, that is the best feeling in the world. <laughs> like, I, I got you to do that because a- anybody can get aces three bet and get kings to jam into them. If you get a grown man to give up with just some random hand to just get pissed off like that, that is a satisfaction that goes beyond money, man. I love that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's good then. So you're, you know, you're rolling now online. So what's the plans going forward? You're going to just play, you stick to that sort of schedule, play the Sundays and um, obviously live poker still like well out the window for people really. Um, um, what's the plans going forward? any of the series or anything like that? Oh man. Yeah. I love live poker. I'll be out there. And, uh, you know, it's obviously there's big questions with that, but we'll see how that goes. I haven't been able to play as much cash as I'd like, but at the very least, I like to play tournaments every Sunday. It's been really fun doing these Gumroad releases with everybody because now my thing is just trying to win tournaments on all the different sites. All my students are playing on just so I can show them, okay, this is how it's done. This is how I would do it with different players. Uh, I had recent series, a recent series about how I deal with ignition players. And then obviously it's very different when you're dealing with regulars that have some different biases that you can take advantage of. And I'm really just enjoying that every single weekend. And then during the week, uh, I I still do a lot of the uh, recording videos and stuff like that just because you find people still support me in that. And it's a really fun job. I get to be uh, the head coach during the week and I still get to play on Sunday. So that's fun. Yeah. Yeah. Best of both worlds, isn't it? Um, All right. Let's get into the questions. Now we have a question here. It's a couple of questions. and I'm going to just read out the guy's email because uh, it's quite a nice email. So here we go. Um, Hey, Alex and Barry. My name is Thomas. I'm from Argentina. I'm 35 years old. I used to play No Limit Hold'em live when I was younger, just a couple of tournaments here and there. But then my main home game got stopped running, so I stopped playing altogether. Last year, a friend of mine asked me to join an online home game, a small tournament once a week. I figured, what the hell, I'm quarantined, I might as well. That that once a week became a couple of times a week. I found Jonathan Little's content and started watching videos read a couple of his books, I started getting into it more and more until I found myself dedicating every free slot in my schedule to the game, whether that's grinding online MTTs or studying it. Argentina is by no means a rich country, I'm sure you know that. I'm fortunate enough to have a good job where I make a good enough living, but the exchange rate with the US dollar is absolutely ridiculous. So when I decide to commit to the game and invest two months salary on a yearly subscription um, for poker coaching. Boy, was I glad to find Alex's content. Your quizzes are by far the most elaborate and thoroughly explained of all, and your classes are just so freaking easy to understand and apply on the tables. The ability you have to make yourself clear on the concepts you teach is remarkable, and I have confirmed that with you flat too much and everything you send us in your newsletter. I'm sorry to make such a long introduction, but I wanted to thank you for everything you've taught me. Anyway, I have two questions for you. So we'll get into the first question. The first one is, I've been playing mostly micro stakes with an average buy-in of about $2.50. I have had some success with a 30% ROI, although my sample is not quite big enough, 750 tournaments and sitting goes. Since I I don't have that much time to play, given I have a full-time job, I have some money saved up, which I wouldn't care about much about losing. 
around $2,000. That would mean 200 buy-ins for $10 games. The question is, is the jump to 4x my average buy-in a good decision, or would I be better off grinding my current stakes and slowly progressing forward? So that's the first question, Alex. Okay, so first of all, thank you, Tomas. Was that correct? Was that the name of this gentleman? There's a little, it's T-O-M-E-S, and there's a little accent above the A, so I think it's Tomas, yeah, or Tomas. Okay, thank you very much, uh, sir. It's, uh, forgive me if I I don't pronounce things correctly, but I, I very much appreciate your kind words. I work very hard to teach at, in a way that everybody can enjoy and everybody can understand. I think this is a beautiful game. I think it's the most beautiful game in the world. It's given me everything. To be able to share that with you and with others really means the world to me. And I thank you for taking the time to send me that email. That means a lot to me. As far as can you play $10 tournaments with a $2,000 bankroll that you're more than willing to lose? Absolutely. If $10 tournaments get you going, the main thing right now for you to do is to enjoy the game. You need to enjoy the game. Pick one thing every day that you can focus on. One thing every day, one goal that you're going to work on and go after it. And if it doesn't work, that's okay. That's the best part about experiments is they don't need to succeed. It's an experiment. Have an experiment every day. You can start with I'm going to three bet a little bit more from the button and cut off when I think somebody is opening too much. Your next experiment could be, I'm going to try to value bet more thinly when the big blind calls me. If I get, if I value bet and get called and it turns out I have the second best hand with a weak top pair or a very good second pair, I'm going to take that as a good sign. You can try to check raise from the big blind one day. You can try to three bet from the big blind one day. You can be very careful about cold calls one day and looking at people to your left if they're going to move all in a lot. You can try to combine all of these one day. You can mark hands and review them someday. Um, You can be really careful on your turn calls one day. Pick tournaments that you can afford to lose the money, but are going to get you riled up enough to pay attention and enjoy yourself. It sounds like you found that perfectly with the $10 tournament, so i definitely go for it. Yeah, and also, Alex, you'll probably say the same thing. The difference between a $2.50 tournament and a $10 tournament is, is not huge. In fact, I would always argue, um, it's like the cash games, I think you'll find like 50 NL or 25 NL tougher than like 5 and 10 because people actually playing these low, low, low stakes, you'll find there's a lot of like 18, 19-year-old super beings from Eastern Europe that are really... <laughs> yeah, the currently leveraging. Yeah, sorry yeah. to me to talk over you. Yeah, you'll find more uh, gamblers in like 50 NL or even 100 NL. It might, you know, people that are just there to punt it off don't sit down with $10. They sit down with 50 or $100 and gamble their money. And um, so you've definitely, if you've been doing okay at those levels, you've definitely got enough for $10 games, like 100%. Oh, hell yeah. Because people, a lot of times the punter comes in, he just wants to gamble. It's like, all right, I'll put $10 down on a tournament. He doesn't think. I'm going to put $2.50 down on a tournament. Yeah, well, it's like even, I remember playing cash at the Bellagio and every time, you know, I would sit and I would play either, you know, uh, one and two or two, four. And you'd look over and then I remember one time standing, reading the magazine and waiting. I was actually waiting on uh, football to start. They were uh, Champions League game on. And I was looking at a 5-10 game and the play and the showdown. Oh my God, I know. People want to sit down. These guys that are there just to punt off while their wife's away shopping, they don't want to sit down with $200 or with $1,000. And that to them is just sweetie money and they're just playing away at gambling and whatever. So it's weird. You can game selection, as we've talked about many times before, but especially with tournaments, you'll find, you know, you, you go to some of these regular games in Vegas where there's like $50 freeze out nightly and it's all the regs and the old school you know, some of these games are tough. They're playing, they're so tight. They're playing the nuts. They're just sitting, giving up nothing and all these old timers. And then other games, you can go and play, you know, a 500 at the Venetian and it's people trying to kill time before a 5K starts or whatever or before cash starts. And so games, there's spots in every game, you know, definitely. So, um, and, and as Alex has said multiple times, 
especially if you can replenish the bankroll. 200 buy-ins is, is, is good for tournaments, you know? Yes, sir. I mean, it's the same game no matter what. You decide what those chips are worth after the game, but it's still just chips going into the middle and coming back. And yeah, probably the people who've made the most money from poker are probably people we don't even know the names of. They're probably just playing with, you know, (laughs) Russian oligarchs or like Hollywood celebrities or something. And they might not be able to beat a $50 MTT, but they got $50 million because they're playing the same game with people that don't understand what a check raise means or some, if you can find those soft players playing big stakes and you got the money to take your shot, and you can walk away from it and be sensible about it. That's always a place. Let's get to the second question. Yeah, the second question is, my second question is in regards to cash games. I've been wanting to play them since time is an issue during weekdays, but I'm not sure how the skill set for cash games differs from that of tournaments and how I would go about adapting my studying to cover for this transition. Thank you in advance. I'm a big fan of the podcast and all, and of all your content. Thank you, sir. Um, 90% of cash games is table selection. I do have a series about cash games. I went into it very extensively, but I'm going to tell you, if you play, if you want to be the best poker player in the world, you should play with people who are better than you. If you want to be the richest poker player in the world, you should play with the dumbest people you can find who've got the most money on earth. And a lot of times with private games, you can do that. That was when COVID hit, a lot of these private games went online and that was pretty overwhelming because at any time of day or night, you could get it moving. You could be playing some serious stakes and <laughs> with people that normally play live and normally don't even realize what mistakes they're making. And a lot of the stuff that we discuss about deep stack poker in tournaments will transfer to cash games. It's a lot of value betting. It's a lot of paying attention to who is three betting you. You can get away with some thinner cold calls just because the impl- implied odds are so significant. But the other thing about cash games I'd look for, because obviously time is limited, look who overvalues one pair. You'll see a lot of guys that watch a lot of poker on TV, which is tournament poker, which is usually 30 to 40 big blinds. We're folding the top pair is not a good idea. They'll try to apply that same thing to 100, 200 big blind poker. Oh my God. You can just value bet, value bet, value bet. In in a multi-way pot, if you flop a set, don't bet 50% pot. Bet 90% pot. If he's not going to fold top pair, flop, turn, or river, get the money. And you, the great thing I love about cash games, I used to just listen to heavy metal albums and sit around all day, and you pick up one hand, and because the blinds are so insignificant, and if you're in the right games, people are just going to call you so wide, you'd bet, 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 get called down, with your set or two pair or whatever it was, and it was done. And that was the work. Now, if you're playing on the dot-com sites, everybody knows this strategy. So people aren't going to pay off three streets with one pair, and that's why table selection is 90% of the game. It sounds like you're playing in private games. It sounds like you could find some. The other thing I would say is if you can play heads up for really small stakes, my game grew by leaps and bounds playing heads up and six max and just constantly putting myself in those tough spots. Because if you think about it, six max is like nine max if the first three people folded. And you can just keep putting yourself in the tough spots, big blind, small blind, button, cutoff, hijack. That Because if you look at nine max, you don't play a ton from from the first three spots to begin with. So you need to learn how to handle cutoff button, small blind, big blind. And you will be able to do so if you constantly put yourself in those spots. And heads up, really helped me learn how to value bet. So go forth, have fun. Remember, it's a game. Enjoy it. Learn as much as possible. Okay. And the last question we're going to cover is sort of a you know an accumulation of a few questions we got in from a different pe- from a few different people and it was all along the same sort of vibe and some of these are from a while ago and some of them were more recently so um apologize to those people who have asked something along these lines but the, the sort of theme was how does we always talk about well Alex talks about deliberate practice and stuff 
So how does deliberate practice apply to poker? I hear you talking about it all the time. That's a great one. Uh, we talk about that a lot in this podcast, because if you think about it, they used to say 10,000 hours is all it took for greatness, but all of us have been on the road with people who have driven 10,000 plus hours and they can't operate a turn signal. Now, I'm sorry to use that joke. Oftentimes when we bring this up, I swear everything else I'm going to talk about deliberate practice hasn't been on one of these podcasts, but I use that joke a lot of the time because it's the best way to illustrate you can autopilot and get worse. They've found that doctors need to take new tests and need to do new things about 20 years in because obviously when you're right out of medical school, maybe you got the latest definitions of everything and how you should do that, but you got to keep those skills up. And that's something they're working with doctors on right now. So, you know, if you think about someone who studied medicine needing to touch things up, it's very true in everything. John Smoltz, the pitcher, I think in like his 20th year in the league or something, developed a bad habit because he wasn't deliberately practicing and checking his rotation and everything. And it took a coach to watch him and go, hey, did you realize you're doing this wrong? The best way to put deliberate practice is like going to a weight room. Now, if you go to a weight room and you just take five pound weights and you do bicep curls for two hours, it's not going to do anything. On the flip side of the same token, if you try to deadlift 500 pounds the first time you ever go to a weight room, you're not going to be able to do it. The way you build muscle is you pick a weight that's just beyond your abilities and you try to push it to the limit very carefully on the eighth or ninth rep, it should be getting hard. It shouldn't be on the second or third and it shouldn't be a breeze. It should be just beyond that. Your brain is a muscle too. And actually the mind is an incredible playground. It is incredible what they're finding. If you want to read more about this, I haven't finished this book. I just started another book on deliberate practice. So I'm going to try to remember all the books on it. And they're fascinating because poker is very much the reason I love the game is there's not an athletic component. And a lot of times your IQ can it, like, I don't think I have the IQ of some of my buddies who were like engineers before poker, uh, how quick they pick up things, but work ethic can really get you far. And if you learn how to do deliberate practice, you will go further in poker. So the books I'd recommend are Grit by Angela Duckworth, Mindset by Carol Dweck. Let me see if I can remember all of these. Balance, I believe his name was Matthew Saeed. Um, there was, of course, Malcolm Gladwell kicked this off, although people have been somewhat critical of his research. The one I'm reading right now, I want to say it's by Mr. Erickson. I can't remember his first name. Uh, this one's called Peak. There's another one that I think is called Peak Performance that was really good. But this was the craziest thing. This is the guy that has studied how far you can take the human mind. And it is absurd the things they're finding. There's a reason why in the 1908 Olympics, we laugh at the times that people had on so many of the records because they're just people have blown them out of the water. It's not that people are being born genetically different. It's that the training methods have improved. They used to believe only one out of 10,000 people was born without, was born with perfect pitch. And now they're finding with children, you can build it into them between the ages of two to six. The most astounding study that I've seen recently was a great example of deliberate practice would be the average person can remember 10 digits or something like that. If somebody gives you a six to 10 digit phone number, most people can remember just that. If somebody gave you two phone numbers, if you can imagine that, it would be really, really difficult to remember. So these guys and ladies who wanted to learn about deliberate practice, they brought in this average college kid and they tested him on it, how many numbers he could memorize. And it was 10 or something like that. And they said, hey, can we pay you to come in here and try to remember more digits? And he said, sure, if you're going to pay me. So what they would do is they'd read the digits one per second for 10 digits. And the guy would memorize it and he'd go, great. Okay, now we're going to do 11 digits. 
That's deliberate practice. It's right beyond what he's capable of. Let's say he gets 11 digits. Okay, we're going to go to 12. You keep pushing until you get to that point the guy can't remember anymore. And you don't stop pushing. You don't let him autopilot at 14 digits, 16 digits, 22 digits, or whatever it is. You keep going. And you force the guy to failure. And that's what happened. He kept failing. He had to find new ways to chunk information in his mind. That guy got to the point he could memorize 80 digits. And here's the crazy thing. They did it again. They brought in another guy, a friend of his. And these guys were on the track team or something. They weren't known for mathematical prowess or anything. The the second guy couldn't think more than 10 digits. But he eventually got to the point he could memorize 100 digits at a clip because the guy with 80 digits taught him. So he deliberately practiced with a coach. Now, if you can think about it, if you told, if you walked up to me on the street and Barry and I were having a conversation and some person from a university said to Barry and I, hey, I bet I could get you guys to the point you're memorizing 80, 90, 100 digits at a clip. We, we would probably be like, nice story, pal. I doubt it. But the, the, the research indicates what's very interesting. They don't find that many immovable objects. They don't find many limits, especially when it comes to the human mind. The human mind can re-engineer itself really incredibly. Neurogenesis is a thing. They do find it with sports because obviously – no matter how much Barry I or I train, we're probably not going to be able to dunk a basketball. Just I, I don't have that kind of vertical and I doubt Barry does either. But when it comes to the mind, you can actually really build that up. And with poker, it's very important when you're playing to not autopilot because sometimes you can play poker for 10 hours and not learn a damn thing. I played poker for years and didn't learn a damn thing because I wasn't trying something new. I had memorized my 12 digits, my 13 digits. And I didn't want to go to 14 digits. Thank you very much. And if you can pick the hands that push you just a little bit and have a coach that guides you, that is what's going to take you further. Okay. Okay. And uh, right before we end the show, we are going to talk about Alex has got a new, you already mentioned your work on Gumroad and stuff and uh, I had a look through Alex's products and we've always tried to give you good discounts on them here. And uh, it, you touched on something earlier saying about like going to every site and winning tournaments there and like, you know, here's how you final table the Sunday Million. Here's how you do this and that. It is, it's right. like old computer games guides. You remember you used to get like Sega. And yeah, Prima, baby. Yeah. How you beat this level, you know, <laughs> in the old zone four or whatever. Yes, sir. Like, yes, sir. I love that stuff. Like. So what's the latest product? Uh, what's the special offer for one out our listeners? And how can they get it? When's it released? Let us know. Yes, sir. And by the way, before I get into this, guys, I want to thank Barry. He allowed, we, we were able to do a podcast because I said, hey, I got a new thing coming out. Do you mind if I tell the podcast listeners? So thank you very much for that. And uh, yeah, as per usual, we'll have a link that sets up if you want to support the one outer podcast. Uh Barry gets to wet his beak. If you're going to buy it anyway, might as well send Barry a couple of bucks. And now then maybe we can get him out to do a few more of these. But yeah, before on my Gumroad site where you can watch uh, my videos, my training packages, I've taken on tournaments. I've taken on uh, PKOs. I've taken on the Sunday Million. This one is how to win the 250K guaranteed on ACR. Actually, <coughs> excuse me, guys. Sorry about that. But uh, I wrote I wrote a little something so I could make sure I could be a little bit more concise. So with that, I'm going to just give you – I'm going to be straight with you guys. I'll, I'll use what I wrote. How do you make over $50,000 in one single night? I mean, we're going to have fun with this, Barry, all right? How do you make over $50,000 in one single night? How do you win these online tournaments with thousands of players? How do you beat today's pros? How do you beat today's recreational players? If you were trying to become a Major League Baseball player, you would have to go into the batting cage, right? You would need someone to fire 90-mile-per-hour fastballs and curveballs at you. You would need to practice. You would need to get comfortable with those pitches before you made it to the show. If you were trying to become a professional boxer, you would need to spar, right? You would need to become comfortable with 
people firing jabs, hooks, and uppercuts at you. You would need to learn how to pace yourself, slip punches, and fire back. You would need to learn what kind of cardio is necessary in order to get through 6, 8, 10, or 12 rounds. Why is playing poker any different? You have to practice versus live opposition. Obviously, it would be difficult to get a table together full of eight hired players to play against you. But what you can do is test yourself versus real hands that happen versus real players. You can make mistakes in the privacy of your own home and then fix them. Then, when you make it to the big final table, you will be able to avoid those same mistakes. Everybody will be wondering how you handle yourself so well, but you will know the truth. You practiced. You practiced hard. You practiced while others were not practicing. You practiced at home so that in public you could avoid mistakes that cost 1,000, 5,000, 10,000, or 100,000, depending on the final table. Do you want to win one of these online tournaments for $50,000 in 2021? You are in luck because I just won the 250K guaranteed and I am willing to test you on every single hand that happened in that tournament. If you can make it through my rigorous testing, then you can win a major tournament of your own. This series contains 34 episodes that span more than 17 hours of coaching. You will be drilled on more than 500 questions. Your flaws will be revealed. You will be broken down and then rebuilt again. You will come out of this training program with a real game plan that wins real majors in 2021. This series is not for the faint of heart, guys. I am a harsh teacher because I actually want to see you succeed. I hold nothing back. I'm going to tell you my true philosophy on playing poker. I'm going to be on your ass if you autopiloted at any point and missed a key opportunity to win or detonated your tournament. Once I am done, you will never be the same. Normally, 17 hours of private coaching with my newest materials would cost you $5,083. But for just one week, you can get this series for me from me for the price of $297. That is almost a 95% savings of $4,786. Are you in? That's a good pitch, Alex. Thank you, sir. I have fun with that. We always, you're the big QVC fan, right? I did that for you. Yeah, I was going to say that. I was going to go, I just need the number up, you know. You, it, you, it, you, it's you, like you, one film, License to Kill, where they're, uh, it's like a religious uh, program in church and they're trying to get donations, you know, on the line. <laughs> but it's for a big cocaine factory, you know, and they're going, people are calling up and it's it's not donations, it's how much they're buying. It's like a cover for like all the drugs. The way they, and they've got like a guy that's like, you know, for just this pledge, you can get that. Bless your heart. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like every time I have to pitch at the end, you used to always make fun of me back in the day. and was like, what is this, an infomercial? What is this, QVC or whatever? And I'm like, now I'm just going to lean into it, man. Yeah. I'm just going to have fun with it these days. Man, License to Kill, that's good. Amazon Prime has a lot of really good action movies. They, I think they just put up Total Recall. I saw Fifth Element the other night. Oh, my God. I forgot how good Chris Tucker and Bruce Willis was in that. Yeah, Fifth Element's great. I've not watched oh. that in years. That is a really good film. But anyway, it's, back to your pitch. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and then I'll, I'll, I will mention a film after that um, that's good. But, <laughs> um, the thing is, is like our listeners, people listening to this podcast just now, people who are going to get the podcast through the newsletter, they are more than aware of the work you put in and the products that you put out and they're genuine and if anybody's ever got any issues they know they can message you and you'll sort stuff out etc and you've got a full back catalogue now on Gumroad of lots of good stuff and in all the things that I have um, put forward to Alex and you know I got a small commission off it actually you know a decent commission off it um, you know to, to be blunt um. I've never had one person come back to me and say, oh, that webinar was terrible. That pack was awful. That, you know, everybody says good things about your teaching materials. And when you put them on discount like that for the for the listeners, you know, in advance, it's, it, I think it's much appreciated. And, you know, nobody's being forced to buy things here. It's like, do you want to improve your game? If you do and you got the money there, you want to invest in it, then here's a deal for you. I think it's, you know, it's, uh, it's fair exchange, you know, and... Um, People, as I say, people listening to this podcast now, people getting it through the newsletter or going to the site or on iTunes or whatever, 
they're more than aware of our history now and what you're putting out in terms of your materials the last few years in particular. So uh, no, I think I think a lot of people look forward to that, and it's uh, it's another pack, another guide, shall we say, to help them beat the ACR level, you know, and and go on there and uh, yes, test sir. Them, as you say. Um, yes, sir, uh, let me if I could add just on top of that, just so you guys know. There's if you go to pokerheadrush.com and sign up for the newsletter, I got tons of people that read that newsletter who have never bought anything, and that's totally fine. Because if I give out the most value of poker teachers, it's going to come back to me. I believe in that. But yeah, I got a lot of people. Uh, uh, okay, let's say you're from Argentina, and right now the exchange rate is pretty tough with the U.S. dollar. If you sign up for that newsletter, you get. Every day you get an article to improve your game, a strategy guide to improve your game, a podcast to improve your game, a training video. They could be 5, 10, 20 minutes long. You can watch them at 2x speed. You can get them right on your coffee break or whatever it is. Just like some people like to read the sports page in the morning. Some people like to take a hand history quiz. It'll up your game. And yeah, you know, obviously if we're going to do 17 hours of here is every hand to win $55,000 in a night, you know, that's going to be on Gumroad. That's going to be a little bit different because then we're out there for 34 episodes and we're really harping and getting on you for that full training camp. But yeah, man, it's uh check out the free stuff as well, man. There's a lot of good stuff there. Yeah. And then um, I will post the link to this product with a deal in the show notes and it's just going to work, Alex, as it did in the past. If people click that link directly, that will take them to the discount for 297 They don't need to enter a code or anything. Yes, sir. This time, I'm, it's just you click on it, and it says Barry sent me there, and we're on our way. Perfect. So um, I will post that in the Facebook group and the Facebook page, and it will be in the blog post for this podcast um, on the oneouter.com website. Um, and yeah, definitely check that out and see if it's for you. Um, the film I was going to mention, Alex, I think we spoke about it on WhatsApp a week or two ago when I when we were arranging uh, time to book the show, is uh, Thief with James Caan. It's like yeah, night- yeah, they just put that on HBO. I got I got to get HBO Max. Yeah, go ahead. It's really good. I think it's called The Prowler maybe in some places or something as well, but it's called Thief. Um, James Caan's in it anyway. And it was just a really good film, really weird feeling about it. And the yeah, the yeah, in bad guy, um, uh, his name, his his name slips my mind just now. But he played the guy in Last Action Hero that ran the cinema. He's one of these faces, like these old character actors that went in everything, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Been in lots of films. And um, Thief, yeah, definitely check out Thief with James Caan. I really enjoyed that. Uh- I'll check it out. Just so you know, guys, poker content is done. This is bonus round between Barry and I. Uh, Over 200 episodes, we have always talked movies because we're both really into movies. Bro, I just got – I can't believe how cheap 4K TVs are now, man. I got a 4K TV, like a decent size one, for 250 bucks off of Amazon. I set that up, and I got a new couch at this place, a really comfortable one. Bro – it's a problem. I just want to watch movies every night. It's so nice. I've struggled for the last however many years. <laughs> Since we moved house as well, I've bought a 75-inch 4K oh TV. <laughs> and the sound bar and the subwoofer. And my whole life is just now a list of films and buying Blu-rays off Amazon. I don't. It's hard to get anything. Oh, anything. Blu-rays are dope. But I do, I do justify it by a lot of the times, not when I put on film. When I put on a film, the computer goes away and the phone goes away. But when I put on TV shows, um, I've got my laptop and I'm working at the same time. as well. That's the way I justify it, you know? I hear you. I, I'm weird. I can't do two things at once. So I'll, if I'm watching boxing, like maybe I'll have my cell phone. I'll do something uh, between rounds, but that's about it. But yeah. Uh, I'm what was trash. I mean, total trash, Alex. In the back, <laughs> or just it's like a baby needs like a, you know a white noise machine. I need the you know. I, need <laughs> the, you know? I know. I know a lot of people like that, man. Oh, what was the movie I just saw? On uh, I saw Enter the Dragon. Have you watched that movie in the yeah. last ten years? Yeah. Oh my god, dude! I forgot how many one-liners there are in that movie. That movie is so bizarre. It's like. Hey, we want to do James Bond, but let's do Bruce Lee as the lead. They don't even use him for the Kung Fu. 
It's yeah. just, yeah, that movie was sick, man. I hadn't seen that one in a long time. There's so many quotables yeah, between I, all the characters. Oh, Bruce Lee films. I actually used to like Way of the Dragon. That was my, you know, I loved that one when he fights Chuck Norris in it. Oh, that's right, right. Is that the one with the suit? That one? The the suit. The suit. Yeah, went, the yellow yeah. suit, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. That's Game of Death. Oh, that was Game of Death. Yeah, you're right, you're right. What yeah. was it? What was the one? Fist of Fury is the really violent one, right? Fist the one he's good. Yeah, that's yeah. through the uh, the ice blocks and stuff. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They have the knife fight, which was like Eastern Promises level of oh my god. It's class. It's yeah. Bruce Lee films are they're so good. You know, you forget like cinematically as well how good they are. But yeah, this is a bonus round, and we're going to wrap it up. Um, yes, sir. Yes, because sir. I've got to get a walk and a football team I support are in the semi-finals of the playoffs to get promoted so I want to get home and watch that on my TV and uh, my hometown team so um, I'm looking forward to that so Alex we're going to wrap up here Um, how can people get in touch with you going forward and check out your stuff etc Go to PokerHeadRush.com and sign up for the newsletter. You can respond to those emails. That's pretty much where I put everything there. And you'll get free content every single day, be it a five-minute quiz, a 10-minute quiz, a full training video, a podcast, an article. You're going to get some every single day to work on your game. So if you got a little bit of time on your coffee break, you can always soup up your game. Check that out. Okay. And regards to the podcast, you can get it on iTunes, Stitcher, I think there's a few other ones I've put it up. It like sort of goes uh, goes out on these channels, and um, you can obviously go to oneouter.com to download it. The site is running slow just now. I'm actually going to overhaul this site. I've spoke to Alex about this before. I've got plans to do, but um, if it's not broke, broke, don't fix it just now. And it's still running good enough just now that I can get it up on iTunes and things. <laughs> um, go to the Facebook group, facebook.com/group/oneouter. Uh, we've also got a Facebook page as well and on Twitter at oneouter.com. That's at O-N-E-O-U-T-E-R-D-O-T-C-O-M. And I will post out all the links to the show and the links to the product discount that you need to click to get it for 297 Alex's new, pro- uh, new product that we're talking about. And that sale will last from, when's the sale from, Alex? And when does it finish? 17th for a week. You got till Friday. 17th for a week till till the 21st five, so four days five, five days five days yeah you're right yes sir days, yeah so we'll the discount will be available from the 17th of may monday and it will end i'm assuming midnight on the 21st of may so you'll have like five full days to grab that if that's for you um okay well alex it was good fun getting together and catching up uh, congratulations on your win again I hope when you're telling the pizza man how much you won, you tip him substantially. <laughs> you know You're like, yeah, I won 55K. Uh, there's $2. Bye. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, no, that's good. I'm sure you're fair. Um, okay, until the next time, do send questions in. We will get them on a future show. Questions at oneouter.com on email, email, or you can tweet them or post them in the Facebook group. And we will add them to the list and get them read out um, on on an upcoming episode. Until then, thanks for listening. Cheers. Cheers.